So we are in the midst of this series in the book of Acts, and as you probably know, the pastors uh, plan out these sermon series way in advance, and we figure out who's going to uh, preach different passages, and it fell to my lot uh, to Acts 20. And I had nothing to do with the selection of that, but I was so glad it Acts 20 fell into into my lap because that's been a passage for me that's meant a lot in my life as a Christian growing up way back some even 30 years ago as I was a college student and I'll share a little bit more about that. This morning we're in Acts 20 and I'll be reading uh, verses 17 through 31. If you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible, we're on uh, page 940 there starting in verse 17. From Miletus, Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared both to Jews and to Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. And now, being compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are, going, are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus gave me to do, the task of testifying to the, the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of all men's blood. For I have not hesitated to proclaim the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and over the whole flock of God of which the Holy Spirit has given you charge of. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw some disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning you, night and day, with tears. Let's pray. Father, this is uh, an amazing message from the greatest missionary uh, that ever lived. And I pray this morning that, Lord, you would help me uh, to really do it justice. Because Paul spent more time with these believers than any other. And he had incredible things to say to them. 
So I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us now today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's Family Worship Month. As you know, it's already been mentioned, and you can see some indications of that. I spy, the whole I spy theme is where do you see God at work? And so I thought today I would use the, um, I would use the word spy as an acrostic for us as we're looking at this amazing passage. This passage for me was first introduced in my quiet times as I was reading through the Bible when I was in college. And I'll talk a little bit more about that, how that affected me uh, in, in just a few moments. The S in spy stands for serve the Lord with humility and with tears. Paul said, I serve the Lord with humility and tears in verse 19. Paul served the Lord in Ephesus for three years. It was longer than any other place that he served, any other church. And he served the Lord very humbly. He said he served the Lord humbly. He, he was a tent maker by day, and by night he taught in the synagogues and taught from house to house. He not only had to provide for his own living, but he also had to provide for the living of his companions. He served the Lord humbly. But then, very curiously, he not only served the Lord humbly, but he said, I serve the Lord humbly, and I serve the Lord with tears. In fact, in two verses, in verse 19 and 31, he says, I've served the Lord with tears. In the, verse 31, he says, I've not stopped warning you day and night with tears. Now, why does Paul say with tears? Well, because Paul was a great missionary. He was a man who had a great mind and he had a great heart. He had a great mind for God. He understood God in the Old Testament. He understood the person of Jesus. He knew the person of Jesus. And so he was a great communicator of who God is and who Jesus is to the people. But he was also a great man of God, a great man of the heart. He wasn't afraid to open his heart to people. He wasn't afraid to be vulnerable. And you know, ministry requires that we engage our minds, and we open up our hearts. Those of you that are, are servants of the Lord, those of you who love people dearly, know that very oftentimes we will not only serve the Lord with joy in people's lives, but we also serve the Lord when things are difficult. We come alongside them when life isn't going so well, when life is tough. There's an old uh, saying in ministry that goes something like that. It says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's really true. When I was training for seminary, I had uh, that experience a little bit. I was, uh, had to do a CPE, which stands for uh, Clinical Pastoral Education. I was a chaplain in a hospital for three months. And uh, one of those days, I heard over the intercom system, code blue, code blue, code blue, all doctors, please go to the emergency room right now. And, of course, code blue means the heart has stopped somebody. And I remember meeting this family, and they were there because their son had been in a tragic accident, and he was in the emergency room, and I thought that this was probably their son. So I walked as fast as I could to the emergency room, and there gathered outside the emergency room was the family. And they were all there. It looked like a a football huddle. They were all there huddled around each other, and they were just sobbing. And I thought to myself, as a, as, a, as a young guy, a minister in training, what in the world uh, can, can, I, can I do at this, at this place, in, in, at this time? And I just, the Holy Spirit really came on me, and I walked up, and all I 
could do or felt led to do was just join them, be there with them and put my arms around this huddle of family and just to weep with them. I didn't say anything. I just wept with this family who was weeping. And you know, sometimes our most powerful ministry happens without words. I know some of you know that. You've had that comfort before from other people. You've been able to go and comfort other people without saying any words, but simply by being there. And so you understand what this ministry of tears is about, just being present with people during difficult times. And Paul says it twice in his letter. He says, I serve the Lord with humility and with tears. I've not stopped warning you day and night with tears. So we understand what this is about in ministry. So Paul served the Lord with humility and tears. Secondly, he served the Lord by proclaiming the whole will of God. Paul was compelled to proclaim the whole will of God. He says, you know that I've not stopped, not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Now, how was Paul able to be so bold, to go from town to town, from town to town, to go from city to city, to experience so much physical and, and uh, verbal abuse from people, and yet keep going, keep doing it, keep preaching the Lord. How was he able to do that despite people's displeasure? And I think it's because that Paul knew ultimately who he was accountable to. Paul knew that he was accountable to the Lord and not to people. He was accountable for his, to his, for his words and he was accountable for all of his actions. He says, therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Now, what is Paul saying there? He's, he's saying, I think what he's saying is that someday when I, when I stand before the Lord, I'm going to stand before the Lord as an innocent man because I have not been detoured. I have not drawn back or shrunken back from telling you everything that you've needed to know about Jesus and about salvation. Now, you may not all choose to follow the things that I've said but I've told you everything that I understand about what it means to, to repent and to have faith in the Lord Jesus. And therefore, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Now, this is a really powerful statement. Think about this. He's talking to some people, if, elders specifically, that he's been with for three years. They've had an opportunity to observe Paul's life. Not only his words, but his teaching. And so, this is what he's saying to them. Think about that. What would this mean to us? Can we say the same thing that Paul said? Could we say to the Lord, I have not held back anything from the people that you have sent me, from the people that are in my, my sphere of influence. I've been willing to share the whole will of God. Could we say that to the Lord right now? even as we prepare someday for heaven. You know, I know that Paul was an evangelist. He was the greatest missionary who ever lived. Uh, he was gifted in ways that, that most of us aren't. Uh, he preached at a time in a way that was u- unique 
to him and for the Lord's purposes. But there's something that we have in common with the Apostle Paul. And that is that we are all called to share the whole will of God with other people. People in our influence. I remember uh, recently here, just uh, a short time ago, someone came up to me and they said, um, I can't hear the Lord speaking to me. Uh, I don't sense any direction from God in my life. And uh, this is a person that um, I know really well, and uh, I love them a lot, and they know that. And uh, I felt really uncomfortable saying this. But I said to them, I said, I think that part of the reason that you may not be sensing God's direction in your life right now is that you're not really following the Lord's values and behaviors as, as he's shown us in his word. And, and I cringed when I shared that. That was hard for me to share. I didn't want to share that. I love this person, and I did not want to drive a wedge in our relationship. I didn't want to cause any tension between us and them, between me and this person. But at the same time, I was also aware that someday I'm going to stand before the Lord, and he's going to hold me accountable to the people in, in my sphere of influence. I may not minister to thousands, but there are few that the Lord puts in my path. And he calls me and he calls you to be willing to share the whole counsel of God. And so I'm wondering today if there's somebody in your life that the Holy Spirit is calling you to share the whole counsel of God with. It may be as simple as saying to somebody, Jesus loves you. That may be the message that needs to be shared. It may be be that you need to share with something a truth, a hard truth about Jesus so that they might have the opportunity to come to repentance. Paul says, I've not hesitated to proclaim everything I could that could be helpful to you to lead you to repentance and to faith in Jesus. And so we need to ask ourselves, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to proclaim the whole counsel of God? Are you compelled as the Spirit of God leads you to do that and to share that. I spy God at work. I spy God at work serving the Lord with humility and with tears. I spy the Lord at work proclaiming the whole will of God. And lastly, on the acrostic, I spy the Lord yielding to the Spirit's leading. Paul was compelled to yield to the Holy Spirit. We see that in verse 22 and verse 23. We read, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are awaiting me. Now, it's an interesting thing about that word compel, that word compelled. Literally in the Greek, it means to bind, to bind up. And sometimes Luke uses that word literally, and sometimes Luke uses that word figuratively. If you go back to Luke, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 9, where Luke is talking about Saul, I'm going to paraphrase this, 
But Saul is breathing out murderous threats against the believers. And he goes to the high priest and he asks the high priest, will you please write me letters so that I can go into the synagogues and if I find anyone there who calls themselves a follower of the way, I want to bind them and take them to Jerusalem to be thrown in prison. That's in chapter 9. Saul. In chapter 12, we see the same word, the same Greek word used where Paul says, I am compelled by the Holy Spirit. I am bound to go to Jerusalem where I can share the gospel with people, not knowing what awaits me there, except the Holy Spirit says to me, Paul, I've got a nice cell that's all ready with your name on it and other things that will happen as well. That word compelled. Have you ever felt compelled by the Holy Spirit like that? Paul is completely yielded to the Holy Spirit. So much so that when he senses the Holy Spirit moving him in some kind of direction, he just yields in complete obedience. So what does Paul leave these Ephesian elders with? And this is what I really, this is probably the primary verse that you need to know in chapter 20. Verse 28, he says to them, Keep watch over yourselves and the whole flock of God of which I've given you charge of, or of which I've made you an overseer. Keep watch over yourselves and the whole flock of God of which I've made, the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. In other words, pay attention to how you're living. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Guard your souls, Ephesian elders, because unless you guard your heart and you guard your mind, how is it that you're able to be a shepherd of other people's souls if your soul isn't protected and nurtured and cared for yourself? So I think that the sharing of this message is at the right opportune time. We're in August right now, and we're ramping up September for a new Saturday night service. We're ramping up for all all these programs that will be happening in the church Monday through Saturday night. We're ramping up to do ministry. And what is the Holy Spirit telling us right now? What is the Holy Spirit telling us elders, pastors, deacons, Servants of the Lord, followers of Jesus, guard your hearts, watch over yourselves, and the whole flock of God of which the Holy Spirit has given you charge of. You know what I found out in college? I said I would get back to this, but in college, I was uh, my senior year as part of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and I found myself doing as much ministry. I was a full-time student. I was doing as much ministry as I was going to school, as I was working. And so between all those things, I just got thoroughly burned out. Anybody ever experienced burnout before? And uh, I got burned out to the, to the point of just like wanting to chuck ministry altogether. And I didn't know where God was leading at that point, but I was really moving, I thought, toward ministry. And I was so burned out that I thought, I just, I just can't do this. I just don't want to keep doing this. And then 
God revealed this passage to me in Acts 20, 28. It was amazing. It was from the Holy Spirit at that point in my life because I was not taking care of my own soul. And how could I take care of other people's soul or nurture them or seek to shepherd them if I wasn't guarding my own soul? And I know that one of the greatest dangers in Christian ministry is becoming so busy taking care of other people and taking care of all the things that need to be done in ministry that I lose track of my own soul. And so I can actually be kind of a bit of a, a bit of a walking tomb, you know? I can be fatigued to the point of dryness, to the point of almost death, and yet still moving through the motions and doing all these religious things. Even though my own soul is dried out and parched and withered. I had a friend recently who shared with me um, another acrostic. Uh, but I thought I'd share it with you because I'm trying to practice this acrostic um, actually each morning. And I think it's especially relevant to men. Um, the acrostic is BEAR, B-E-A-R. And it stands for boredom, as in loneliness, disconnectedness, as in no one really knows how your soul is doing. No one really knows how you're feeling. The E in bear stands for entitlement. We live in an age of entitlement, right? We were just at a Celebrate Recovery Summit and John Townsend, who's a well-known Christian counselor, is just writing a book that's coming out this fall called The Entitlement Cure. I don't know if you've ever had a feeling of entitlement before. I've had this feeling where it's like, I deserve this. I deserve this. And we can talk ourselves in deserving things and then do something that's really stupid out of the sense of entitlement, out of a sense of, you know, I deserve this. The A stands for angst. Angst. Anger. Um, anxiety. I know a lot of us live life and we have a lot of anxiety just seems like just mulling around inside of us. Have you ever thought about sharing that when, you, when you're in those phases? Have you ever thought about sharing that with another believer, one other person that you can trust and letting them pray for you if you're going through a season of anxiety or angst? Because I know this, that when I know someone is praying for me about the things that are most core in my being, it makes an amazing difference. I know that when I'm walking through a difficult season, a difficult week, a difficult uh, meeting, and I have people praying for me, it things go better, and I know it's because people are praying for me. The R in bear stands for resentment, subtitled unforgiveness. Are you walking around carrying unforgiveness? You know, a lot of us do that. We carry unforgiveness for long periods of time. And I understand that when we've been hurt badly by somebody, it takes time to forgive. But if you've been hurt badly by somebody, are you doing the work that's necessary in order to forgive the person? Or are you just very content just carrying around the resentment with you 
wherever you go. What I know is this. Our feelings lead to actions. So whatever is going on inside of us that we're feeling, it will come out in actions in some way, shape, or form. Can be wonderful actions, can be maybe not so wonderful actions. And so when Paul says to the Ephesian elders, when he says, keep watch over yourselves, you need to know what's going on inside of you. If you're one of those persons that responds this way to this question, how are you doing? Oh, fine. You need to take a look at that. We actually, we have a term for it in the ministry that we do on Thursday night, Celebrate Recovery. It's called denial. And I'm not saying that Every person that asks you how you're doing, you need to, you know, sit them down. Well, have you got an hour and I can talk to you? You know, I'm not saying that you have to do that. But I'm saying if you're, if you're never honest and vulnerable with somebody, one person, two people that you can thoroughly trust and share what's on your heart and on your soul, it's, it's trouble for us. It's trouble for us. It will lead us down paths we don't want to go down. We become vulnerable to the enemy when we're not honest about what's really going on in our hearts. And, you know, I know that's so. I know that's so. You know, we can be deceived into this. I know of pastors groups, well-known pastors, who didn't know what was going on in the life of one or two of the pastors. And then all of a sudden, boom, all the stuff comes out and headlines come out about this pastor. And, all the, and the other guys in this accountability group had no idea. Accountability groups work only if we choose to be vulnerable. And maybe there's just one person. Maybe there are just two people that you really feel safe with. Then take the time that's necessary to tell them what's really going on in your heart so that you don't become vulnerable to traps that that the enemy wants to lay for you. So this morning... How are you being compelled by the Holy Spirit? Are you being compelled to serve the Lord with humility and with tears? For some of you, that may mean not just serving the Lord, but maybe it might mean opening up your heart a little bit more, being a little more transparent with your life with other people so that maybe there's, there are parts of your life that you have never shared with your covenant group before. And they they should know this about you. It will endear you to them if you share this, especially if it's an area of weakness. Maybe you need to be a little bit more open. Maybe you need, is the Holy Spirit compelling you this morning to proclaim the whole will of God? Maybe you have a a son or a daughter or a grandchild, a, a, a good friend, a neighbor, who you've been friends with for a long time and you've been trying to build that that relationship with them, and maybe it's time to share a little bit about your faith, a little bit about Jesus and who Jesus is. You know, you can't dictate how they're going to respond. All you can do is be obedient to being a truthful witness. Don't worry about their response. Leave that up to the Lord. Or maybe the Holy Spirit's 
compelling you today to yield to his spirit some more. Uh, maybe, maybe your soul needs tending to. You know, maybe you're doing some of the, you know, religious things that we do, but you really haven't had a quiet time for a whole long time. You haven't had any solitude with God. And you really need to take some time to be away with the Lord and to let him speak to you and have an honest heart-to-heart conversation. Because we can't shepherd others, whether they're in our family or whether they're in the flock of Chapel Hill, unless we ourselves have shepherded our own hearts with the Lord. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. How is he compelling you today? Let's pray. Lord, we are in awe of the Apostle Paul as we read about his honesty and his willingness to yield his whole life to you, being compelled, literally bound by the Spirit to do what it is that you're calling him to do. And you didn't call him to do easy things. I think I know for myself, Lord, sometimes I think when you speak to me, you're just going to you're going to call me to do something that I can easily do. And I know there are times when you call us to do some things that are really hard to do. Help us not to be afraid. Help us not to fear rejection. Help us not to run away and to close down your voice. Help us, Lord, not to resist the Holy Spirit. Give us courage. Give us boldness. Because, Lord, we want to stand before your throne someday, and we want to say with absolute honesty that we have preached the whole counsel of God. We have not hesitated to say anything that would be helpful to someone that would lead them to repentance and to faith in Christ. Give us that courage, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.